It's a very appropriate song. Not that I'm ever surprised that you find the very appropriate songs. We're talking about Don Miguel Ruiz's Four Agreements. It's a powerful book. It was written in 1997, not a new book. For most of us here, not a new concept. Many of us are familiar with this book. It, it sold uh, 5.2 million copies in the United States, has been translated into 38 different languages. It's a very well-known book, and these concepts are pretty simple. There are four agreements. The agreements are be impeccable with your word, don't take anything personally, don't make any assumptions, and today's do your best, all four of which seem very simple. If we had just been given these when we were born, if they had been our, our four guiding principles for life, rather than all the things that we were taught, life might feel a little different than it does. It didn't work that way for most of us. Most of us grew up with a whole bunch of agreements, and that's why Don Miguel says we were domesticated. We were taught who we were supposed to be. We were supposed to fit in with our families. So there was a certain pattern of behavior that was expected from us, a certain way of being, and that Way of being has a lot to do with this fourth agreement because we were taught what was right. If we were doing our best, it had a particular set of standards. In my house, we were told being an Alexander meant something. Alexander is my maiden name. Being an Alexander meant something. And we had to stand in that name. We had a whole line of ancestors who had brought that name forward to us. And it meant something. And it could, that could be thrown up at you at any time. Any time. That is not how Alexanders behave. <laughs> Whenever it was convenient. Now, there were a lot of really great things that came from that. I have a particular set of standards that, that I hold very dear as a result. But I also recognize that we are taught things because it's easier for our parents you know, beating up on your brother, that's not how Alexanders do things. And it really, really takes away your freedom to decide how you do things. How do you do things? What feels right to you? What feels right? So when we're born, we come in as these beautiful divine beings to inhabit these wonderful physical forms. And they allow us to do all kinds of amazing things. And we spend a great deal of our life learning to be out of touch with them. Learning to ignore them when they hurt. Learning to discipline and control them. Learning that this physical form is a vehicle. It's just a vehicle. And how well do you take care of your vehicles? Don't answer that question. How well do you take care of this vehicle? How valuable is this vehicle to you? Is it even bigger? Is it really just a vehicle? This is an important question because most of us were taught that it is, that our soul, our self, is separate than this physical manifestation. This physical manifestation has an expiration date, and we don't. So we must be something separate from this physical manifestation, yes? 
Yes or no? Mostly. <laughs> so if we're something separate from this physical manifestation, we don't have to pay great attention to it because the divine self is inside of it and that's where we're trying to get, right? Here's the problem with that. The problem is this is not just a vehicle. This is a tool. This tells us about life. And we were taught to pay attention to our parents, our teachers, our spouses, our, our bosses, whoever the authority figure is that's supposed to determine what our best looks like. But the only place that we can determine our best is by using this tool, this thing that we animate and really, truly, we create So this is an extension, this body is an extension of our creative ability. What we have here is an extension of how we think and how we feel. It manifests based on those things. And if we think of it as something outside of ourselves that we don't have to pay attention to, we have no idea what we're manifesting. And we have no idea how to use this tool. But when it comes to deciding if you're doing your best You can only decide that by using this tool. Nothing else in the world will tell you. No other person can tell you if you're doing your best. If you're doing your best, you'll feel it. You'll feel it in your stomach. Or you'll feel that you're not. You'll know it when your words are spoken. You'll feel it in the words that move from your heart through your voice box and out into the world. You'll know by how you're thinking. You'll know that all of the synapses are firing and that things are moving clearly from you, that your thoughts are part of your whole sense of being. You'll know if you're doing your best, if when you walk, you can feel yourself in your body. Most of you know I was gone this summer on sabbatical. The great recovery for me was a sense of putting my feet on the ground. Who would think it would take three months to recover that sense? To actually feel from the thought up here all the way down to the foot down there what it is to walk and feel the motion through your entire body. Because your whole body is involved in the process of walking, isn't it? Your whole body is involved in the process of thinking, in the process of taking action, in the process of loving, in the process of speaking your entire body is involved in doing your best. And in order for us to do that, we have to reclaim this and let go of all of that that we believe tells us what our best is. Because nobody else is in here. Nobody else knows, do they? No one knows what kind of stuff is going on in your life. No one knows how you feel or what happened 20 years ago that's affecting what you're doing today. Only you know that. And some of it you don't even know in thought. Some of it you know in the cellular level of your structure. Some of it is caught there, is captured, and continues to guide you. And you don't know that unless you pay attention to the cellular structure of yourself. So this being ourself has to start with 
this being our best has to start with being ourself and understanding that this body is not separate from us. Let's listen to what Don Miguel Ruiz, Ruiz has to share about this. So, it's an action. Doing your best is an action. How many actions can you participate in without using your body? None, right? Doing your best is an action. Different than the other three agreements, which are largely about disciplining the mind. Largely about how we think and how we communicate what we assume what we believe is true and what isn't believe, what we believe is true and what isn't true to be able to do your best is an action it requires all of who you are so what stops us from doing our best what people will say eh, i was just lazy today and sometimes that's true isn't it but there are some other things that get in the way of doing our best one is the sense that we're inadequate that somehow doing our best means we're still not good enough. Do you hear that? So if I'm only doing my best, I'm not quite there yet. I'm still inadequate, but gosh, it's the best I can do. It doesn't sound like an accomplishment, and we're, we're a, a group that, of people that like to accomplish something. We, we don't want to just do our best. We want to be the best. So our ideas about inadequacy and competition come into this. The things that we were taught about how to think come into play. Let's put a tool up on the screen. Stevie, there you go. So how many times a week do you think you say, I can't do that? Oh, I'd love to go to dinner, but I can't. Oh, you know, I'd love it if that couch was over there, but I can't move it myself. I'll have to wait. It can be very simple things, but we have a dialogue that goes on in our heads all the time about what we're able to do and what we're not able to do. And I can and I can't are true because you decided. So when it comes to taking action, one of the things that you can use to do your best is to move from I can't to how can I? Because the brain, offer, the brain offers something different in response to each of those, doesn't it? I can't is a statement of fact. That piano is never going to move if I have to move it because I can't move it myself. I have learned recently that is not true. I can. It's not easy. But I believe that I can't, so I don't try. But if I say to myself, how can I move this? There are a plethora of opportunities available, aren't there? How can I do what I want to do? When you say to spirit, I can't, spirit says, okay. You have free will. I can't does not open the door for spirit to jump in and help you. I can't says I can't. Spirit agrees. Fine. Your choice. You can't? Okay. When you say, how can I? The door opens for divine intervention, doesn't it? 
Inspiration can come. It can come from many, many sources. Many people can step forward and say, I've got a message for you. Hey, that thing you want to do, I've been thinking about that. Here's a way that could happen. How can I is a tool for doing your best. It opens you up to possibility. This idea of doing your best can be reframed from I'm not quite there yet to I am on a mission of divine mastery. We've lost a lot of that in our culture. In, in ancient times, ancient times, a while ago, we would send our children to apprentice, especially those of us who have European ancestry. At a certain age, we would send our children to apprentice. What does that mean? It means you don't know how yet and someone's going to teach you. So we would send our children to apprentice and they would begin an apprenticeship and when they came to a certain level, they would be able to go out and begin on their own. And from their beginning, they would work towards mastery and when they achieved mastery, what would they do? They would take an apprentice, right? This is how things are taught and moved through. We have lost a lot of that in our culture because we don't take apprentices ourselves. It's not the same as raising your own child. Taking an apprentice is something different. There's a reason we sent our children to someone else to apprentice, because they needed to get away from our domestication, from all the things we thought they needed. Now it doesn't happen that way. Now we send our children to school, They learn from somebody else, they grow up, they go out in the world, and they change jobs 27 times. And there is no conversation about mastery and no level of them coming back and offering their mastery to an apprentice. We have lost a very important part of our possible way of moving forward. This is important for us to think about because we have the ability to master an art, There is something that we've dedicated our lives to learning. And when we work hard to become masters at that, the end part of our life becomes about teaching our mastery. In our society, we have lost the value of our older generation. Why? Because we don't pay them, we don't put them back into the flow. They don't come back around and teach what they have mastered. This is all of us. I don't care how young you are. You will get gray hair. It will happen. How do we recover this? We recognize first in our lives that it's okay to apprentice, that we don't have to be masters when we begin. We find a teacher, and we ask them to teach, and we learn from them. And then we go out and we practice what we've learned until we reach a point of mastery. Failure failure is a consideration in this process. May I have the second tool for today? To learn, you must be willing to fail. If you're going to pursue mastery in your life, a level of doing your best, of finding out what your best is, 
You have to be willing to fail. You can't do it otherwise. Failure is not going to kill you. It's okay. It's okay. You apprentice with someone. You practice something. You fail. You go back and get a little bit more advice. You get a little better at it. And the cycle continues until you reach a point of mastery. And there is no end to pursuing mastery. There is no magic age where you suddenly are a master and you're not learning anymore. That's called gone from here. Right? We continue, even when we take on an apprentice, we continue to improve our mastery. It's important if we're going to do our best that we take doing our best from the point of an excuse. I'm just, you heard it on there, I'm just doing my best to I am learning what my best is. I am giving my best, doing my best, and I am actively seeking what my best looks like. Nobody else can tell you that. That comes wholly and completely from your experience. So pick one thing in your life that you want to master, that you really, truly want to pursue with a desire for excellence. What is that one thing? There is no too late for doing that. There is no one in this room who does not qualify. What is it you are working to master with as many days as you have? What will you become your best at? Because when you reach that point where you are truly pursuing mastery, truly pursuing excellence in your life, then you will be able to know what it feels like in this body to be doing your best. And then you will be able to judge when you're doing your best and when you're not. If you have no understanding of your own pursuit of mastery, your own pursuit of excellence, it's very hard to tell when you really are exercising this agreement and doing your best. I have some quotes for you. On the planet Earth, man has always assumed that he was more intelligent than dolphins because he's achieved so much. The wheel, New York, wars, and so on. Whilst all the dolphins have never done much but muck about in the water having a good time. Conversely, the dolphins have always believed that they were far more intelligent than man for precisely the same reason. <laughs> Everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will, it will live its whole life believing it's stupid. Excellence, this is by Aristotle, excellence is an art won by training and habituation. We do not act rightly because we have virtue or excellence, but we rather have those because we have acted rightly. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. Vince Lombardi said, character is just another word for having a perfectly disciplined and educated will. A person can make his own character by blending these elements with an intense desire to achieve excellence. Everyone is different in what I will call magnitude, but the capacity to achieve character is still the same. 
Martin Luther King said, if a man is called to be a street keeper, he should sweep, a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted, or Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Lao Tzu said, knowing others is intelligent. Knowing yourself is wisdom. Mastering others is strength. Mastering yourself is true power. If you realize that you have enough, you are truly rich.